Life Audio. Welcome to the Jesus is All We Need podcast with me, your host, Jason Sotil. This is a show where we dig into the personal testimonies of people in the news, celebrities, and folks just like you and me in a way that will leave you encouraged. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Jesus is All We Need podcast. Welcome to the Jesus is All We Need podcast. On this week's episode, we have two really cool and amazing guests, Ed and Lisa Young. Ed is the senior pastor of Fellowship Church in Grapevine, Texas, and his wife, Lisa, from what I've been reading and learning, is the one who keeps the ship upright and balanced with all that she does. They're both authors, parents, grandparents, and and just all-around amazing people. Ed and Lisa, thank you so much for being here today. Jason, it is our privilege Absolutely. and pleasure. And you have a great voice. Oh, <laughs> thank, you know, I, I've heard that a couple of times, but uh, to me, I, I sound like a big goof, but I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, you know what? First off, I just want to start off with saying your ministry, your guys' ministry inspires me on so many levels because I see you guys at the the um, local church level. Then I see you guys spreading out into other cities and then states and across the nation and internationally. And, and I just love the way that you guys reach so many people who need to feel the loving touch of Christ. And if you wouldn't mind giving me a little background on your ministry and how it got started, that would be awesome. Well, strangely enough, it kind of started at Florida State. I had an opportunity to play basketball there. And I would take my teammates, I was the only Christian on the team, I would take some of my teammates to the church I was attending, and I thought, man, I understand what's going on, but it was kind of over their head and and maybe the the, the style or whatever. So I thought, you know, if I'm ever in the ministry, I want it to be a place where everyone can connect and, and get the message. So... Long story short, I, I gave up my scholarship. Lisa and I got married. Mostly I rode the bench. Gave up my scholarship. <laughs> Lisa and I got married. And then after finishing up our undergrad, then I went to seminary. From there, I left Houston. And we helped start Fellowship Church, Jason, in 1990 with, with that at the forefront of our minds. How can... People, no matter what their background, where they are, how can they understand the good news of Jesus Christ? And we have just, you know, worked at doing that, and it's been it's been an incredible ride. Oh man, that's so awesome, and and I just love it. You know what what I love about church? I love all churches, and I love the 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 pastors of churches and their families also bring their personality and their backgrounds and their skills and their gifts abilities. And they use them to honor the Lord by drawing people to his son, Christ Jesus. And as a fireman in West Oakland, which is a very diverse city. And honestly, when I tell people, hey, I was a fireman in West Oakland, like, oh, my gosh, the the people there, the this, that. And I go, well, hold on a second. Everyone there needed the love, just like people do out here where I live away from Oakland, you know? Yeah. So I appreciate so much about you guys pouring into your community. That's, that's just such a blessing. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, so I wanted to talk to you guys about a book that you have coming up. 
Because again, as my job was to respond to the needs of others who were hurting. Some were hurting really bad. Some were physically hurting, mentally hurting, spirit, all were spiritually hurting at the time. And so when I find people who can pour into that areas, it's just something that I love. And I know my listeners love. And you guys have a book coming out called A Path Through Pain, How Faith Deepens and Joy Grows Through What You Would Never Choose. Wow, what an amazing book and quote tagline to go along with it. Can I ask you guys why you wrote this book and what compelled you and your heart behind it? Yes, this book is basically a journey that we have been on for many, many years because it's about pain and pain is the great equalizer of humanity. All of us go through different levels of pain and experience of pain, but in the past two years, probably the greatest journey of pain that we've ever faced. And it is the greatest journey. And it was the death of our daughter, Lee Beth, who was 34 at the time. And uh, ironically, it was the fire department and the emergency services that came to our home to try to resuscitate her. Um, and so that is very near and dear to us because you do reach out and, and try to heal as best you can physically and spiritually. But she had a had an addiction to alcohol mm-hmm. and Adderall. It's a common thing with uh, in this generation. But about 10 years ago, she was involved in a relationship that was just not healthy. She was a, a very uh, brilliant young mind. And I'm not just saying that from a mom's perspective mm-hmm. because she was my daughter who also gave me a lot of grief sometimes. But she was creative. She worked with us here at Fellowship Church. She was a part of our staff, a very beloved part, who contributed a lot to the team processes that we in our ministry. But through a relationship that was not healthy, she began drinking. And it because of that relationship not being healthy, it ended. But she struggled with anxiety, depression, and it just spiraled. And so she would have ups and downs and successful segments of her life. Uh, But two years ago, she spiraled and had um, just a a weekend of binge drinking and it took its toll on her body. That's a very dangerous combination of alcohol and Adderall. And even now, Ed and I question because she was buying that off the street, if there was not some fentanyl involved. I don't know. I don't know a lot about all of those things, but her heart gave out. She had a seizure. She was in our home at the time. I was out of town visiting my mother, um, who, you know, is in her nineties and we were going to put her into a memory care facility. So I had left town to do that. Ed and I became aware that she was in that moment of struggle. He went and got her from uh, her home, took her to her therapist, talked about whether or not she should go to the hospital, but it was COVID post COVID. Um, so that, that put a lot of stickiness into it. And so he brought her home to our house and, uh, she seemed to be doing okay. She wanted to live. We had a conversation with her about this path that this, what you're doing will take your life. You cannot do this. And she said, I want to live. Mm-hmm. But probably three hours later, she had a yeah. seizure and breathed her last breath. 
Oh my gosh. You know, as, as just a parent, my heart just crushes for you guys. It, it really does. And then as a responder too, it, it crushes because the hardest thing to do is tell a family member that their loved one is oh. no longer with us. And, yeah. and when that loved one is a child, regardless of their age, the yes. pain that I've constantly witnessed runs so deep that it actually, it would attach itself to us and follow us back to the firehouse, you know, and, and by no means was it worse than what the family went through. But every response we go to, we leave a little piece of ourselves there and we try to leave the best people. I totally people. understand that. Yeah. And, it's very well said. Yes. And, you know, one of the things too about, about the death is I remember Jason, you know, obviously when our kids were younger, having four kids, you know, I would, I would think, and here we were trying to, you know, get the church off the ground, kind of like starting a new company, I guess. So I remember having these thoughts like, wow, what if something happened tragically to our family? Or what if I lost a child? Or what if something happened to Lisa? I remember having these kind of nightmarish thoughts like, I don't know if I could go on. Right. I would think, I mean, would I turn my back on the church? Would I... Would I stop doing what I, I really, I remember having those thoughts and like, Lord, maybe I'm just not strong enough for that. And then Jason, when it happened, I cannot describe to you the mysterious love, grace and mercy that God has bestowed upon Lisa and I and our family during this time, obviously of, of, of hurt, anger, doubt, etc. But there's been this, this presence of God, this, this joy that is unspeakable. So I've, I've learned, I mean, I've preached this for years. God is good. We say God's good all the time. And that's true. He is good all the time, but he's good when things are bad and he's good when things are good. And that's not, that's easy to say, but when you're in the throes of it, wow. So I, um, I, I would just encourage the listeners that 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 God's going to give you the strength to come through any tragedy and situation. Not that we're still not grieving; we'll grieve until the day we get to heaven. But He's just going to He's going to give us that ability to do life with a limp. Right. You know that. That's. Thank you for pouring that out too, because there's, there's so much hurt and pain that people are going through and, and they hang on to it. And a lot of times when I show up to minister to them or to, to talk to them through their time, in the back of my mind, I'm just praising God and thanking him for the hope he's given us in Jesus Christ. And then I'm also thinking about, you know, what is hard and as deep as the pain you're in right now. In the long run, there's a message of faith, a message of beauty, a message of continuing on. And you're obviously in the heat of the moment and the darkness and the struggles of time. I don't bring that up. I'm like, hey, everything's there. There's going to be a great message in there. But it helps me hang on to what I need to, to walk alongside them through their process. And I appreciate that. And I'm going to throw out a question to you guys that kind of comes from a uh, personal background here, too. Last year... My uh, my beautiful wife, her mom went to be with the Lord after a long fought battle with cancer. And I always say cancer didn't win. Jesus 
and her won the battle. Okay. They went to be with the Lord. Um, cancer just finished is what was the finishing the time here on the earth. Um, and then just last week, my wife's grandparents both passed. Her grandfather passed on Thursday. Then Saturday this weekend, her, her grandfather passed. So grandmother went, grandfather. And my wife has this huge empty hole in a pain right now. And, and she's the most faithful woman you'll ever meet. I mean, she's the one who helped draw me to the Lord 20 years ago. But here's a question that I have for you guys. How can she work her way through it? Or what's some advice you can give her to work her way through it right now while she's struggling and missing her mom and her grandparents who all just passed this year? I would love to share because, you know, we know firsthand having uh, our daughter pass away, you're and a child. Parents are in a, in a club, so to speak. But when you lose a loved one, you're, we're in a club, so to speak, as well. My mom passed away not long after Lee Beth passed away. Uh, but I will say that life and death go hand in hand. Nobody defeats the odds of death. It's just part of life. Right. We're all going to come to that point, And we don't choose when that point is for the most part. So I think because your wife is a Christ follower, She's going to be drawing upon the truth of God from her walk with God all of these years, because now she's probably feeling empty. I equate it in our situation to Ed and I both became Christ followers at a younger age and really didn't rebel. We were a part of the church. Ed's dad's a pastor as well. So we grew up in church. We read our Bible. We journaled. Ed encouraged me to journal, which is a great practice. Just faithful, if you will. And when you think about it and you think, well, that's not that significant. It's not a huge testimony. But it is indeed a great testimony just to do the very basic things. Christianity 101, if you will. You accept Jesus as your Savior and you just start walking alongside of him and in faithfulness. When Lebeth passed away, I was so empty. I, I was asking God why. How could, you know, how could this happen? We've been faithful, whatever. But it was like there was this bank bank account of faith, so to speak, that we had been depositing for however many years. I became a Christ follower at nine. I'm 62 and a half now. So that's a lot of years of deposits. And I find that when you go through a difficult situation, you have that faith bank account, if you will, to draw from in your most painful times of your life. And so I would just encourage anyone who's listening to remind yourselves of what what you've been through and how God has been faithful through it. Uh, Ed had received a phone call from a, a pastor the day after Lee Beth died, and he told Ed something very poignant. He said, do not forget in the darkness what you knew to be true in the light. And that is the light of God. So when you're going through a dark time, don't doubt I mean, you naturally you, doubt. You just, just doubt your doubts and feed your faith. But mm -hmm. don't, don't doubt in the darkness what you've learned in the light. 
you know, it's okay, it's, it's okay to ask God questions, to express, obviously, our anger. Just look at the book of Psalms. But, and, and, and doubt and faith even go on parallel tracks. I, I don't want to get too theological. But well, you go as far as you want, Pastor. It's okay. You, you, you've got the mind, whatever you like. You know, without, it, without doubt, we would have certainty. And we live by faith. The just shall live by faith. So, so um, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. I, I do that all the time, and I interrupt ideas. Stuff, but no, I hear. Yeah, yeah, but how we question God. So, so it's fine to, to swim laps in the pool of regret, but also you have to see that nail-pierced hand that's reaching out mm-hmm. to bring you out of the pool so you can go, okay, what's next? What's the next thing? And we are, we are going to have those questions. That's just, that's just part of life. But um, we, we have to just feed our faith. And when you have that, as Lisa talked about, that faith bank account, that faith nest egg, so to speak, there, there are times when you can make those major withdrawals. And during a painful circumstance or situation, that's, that's when you make those withdrawals. And the cool thing about a relationship with Jesus is maybe you ha- are a brand new believer. Yeah. Maybe you're just listening, thinking, I don't know if this whole Jesus thing is real. By the power of God, you tr- put your faith and trust in Jesus, mm-hmm. and he will fill the account. Amen. Supernaturally. Yes, he will. It, it, you don't have to have all those years. He can supernaturally do it. And many people going through pain get stuck in asking why. Why, God? Why did this happen? Oh, yeah. Why Why am I? Ed and I were like, we've been faithful in ministry yeah, for we- 30 years. Why would this happen to our family? Why did Lee Beth's story not end in victory like so many other people who yes. have gone through recovery programs and all of that? But you can't stay stuck in why. You have mm-hmm. to pivot, and we talk about this in the book, to what now? You've experienced that. loss and pain. You've experienced this, but what, what now? now? God does not waste pain. Even mm-hmm. the pain of of the loss of a parent or grandparent. There, your wife will now have an empathy that she did not have before. She will have a ministry that she did not have before. Ed and I have had a ministry, so to speak, pastoring for 30 something years, something yeah. years 32 years. Probably in the past two years, the voice of our faith has reached further than it ever has before because of the pain we've experienced. Oh, and I'm not just saying, I'm, and, I'm, and we're not saying either. I mean, we would, we would want Lee Beth back and trade all that, you know, for that. But yes, that is what has happened. It is, it is um, galvanized, I would say, our church. It has brought people into our church hurting that we would have never, ever gotten to know. And on top of that, it's opened up conversations with people, so many who had no real concept of God, Christ, the church, and it gives you an opportunity to articulate your faith in a way that 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 I've never experienced before. Right. No, it, it touches so many people. And 
And, and that's why I'm such a believer on sharing, you know, your, your big testimony, if you will, you know, of, of coming to Christ. But then there's so many testimonies of the goodness that he's done and the things that you've experienced in your life. So for me, I fall back on to my 28 years for the first 28 years of my life. It wasn't that I was an atheist. I was just an angry, nothing person who grew up in an abusive situation. I didn't have a mom at home. I lived with a Vietnam veteran dad full of demons and stuff. And as a firefighter, I was struggling because I used to try to fill myself with everything the world said would make me better. And it just made me more angry and more angry. And people go, wow, that's hardcore. But believe it or not, I even fall back into the pain of that time because then I can relate to people who used to be exactly where I was, who used to be just didn't want anything to do with this, quote, whole Jesus thing, which I didn't believe. But it also makes my belief, like you were mentioning, they're so much richer because I I can't even explain how real he is. I mean, besides going to scripture and and all that stuff, my apologetics, like, yo, when I was 28 years old, I cursed a a pastor out of my firehouse who showed up to check on me after a double fatality fire. And and now look at where I am now. And so it just shows where you're in the dark. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I appreciate you guys how you're, you're vulnerably using this. And this is from my heart that you guys are so vulnerably using a personal experience with that. Now, another question I just wanted to hit with you guys real quick, because I know a lot of listeners uh, will, will want to know this. How, how has this affected your relationship initially and now? I mean, I hear the positives in ministry and stuff, but what about on the personal level relationship-wise for you too? I would say that overall it's brought us closer together. However, and I want Lisa to talk about this too, however, you, you grieve on different levels and certain things affect you at different times. So from what we've discovered, when the tragedy initially happens, boom, you're drawn together. But then as you grieve and process things differently, you can draw away and if you're not careful, you can draw away from each other. Thankfully, Lisa and I have 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 worked through those situations. We went to therapy, uh, Christian Ash, therapy, Christian yes. therapy, which I highly recommend. Um, Ed always uses this as an example in our services at church. He says, "Guys, you will go to a golf clinic." or a tennis clinic to get help on your golf game. Or now a pickleball clinic. Pickleball clinic. (laughs) Um, We play that at the firehouse. (laughs) Why won't you go to get help for your life, you know, skills? So we chose to go to the counselor that Lee Beth saw. We had done family therapy with her, and so I continued to see her. And she warned us of some of the pitfalls that can happen, especially in a marriage. I had read, in fact, when we were planning to write this book, uh, initially we were planning to write a book on marriage. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at a statistic about marriages uh, surviving really hard situations, painful situations. So I started naming the things that Ed and I have struggled with in our marriage from starting the church, like starting a new company, getting married young. Uh, We had a child and had infertility. And then our son was born. He has a genetic disease called neurofibromatosis, which it's just an unknown as to what he would face throughout his lifetime. Then we had multiples. We had twins. 
That's another thing that absolutely can wreck a marriage. Yeah. And and yeah. And, then, and then starting a church. Starting a church. Which you've got to be crazy to do that. You know, 100 per, yeah, I was going to say 100 percent because you're being attacked by the full, other people's flesh, your own flesh, the devil. Everyone's attacking you there. I mean, starting a business, who cares? The devil isn't trying to tear your business apart. But a church, that's where he's going for. So I hear you. And so our, one of our twin daughters struggled with an eating disorder in high school and Again, you're questioning God, like, God, I mean, we're in the church. We've raised our kids to know their value in front of a holy God, and yet she doesn't see her her self-esteem that way. So, you know, going through that then with Lee Beth's addiction and ultimately her death, those things can rivet a marriage. Mm -hmm. And the only way I believe to truly not just survive but to thrive in your relationship with your spouse or your children is to lean into God. He's going to be that common denominator, that common bond. So yes, we grieve differently. We may have days apart that he's feeling one way. I'm feeling mm-hmm. another, mm-hmm. but God is our central focus. That's right. And we talk about this in the book also about an anchor. And I'm going to let Ed explain that, but that <laughs> anchor is truly how we have been able to, grow in the worst time of our lives. Jason, I uh, love fishing. You know, fishing is a biblical sport. Oh, yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. (laughs) If it has spins and scales, I'll chase it. Anyway, I've been around boats and water pretty much my whole life. And when I was a little kid, I had a little rowboat, and I tried to make my own anchor out Mm -hmm. out of a bottle and some sand, and it didn't work. It was It was pathetic. Well, since then, I've learned how how to to make an anchor, and now I just go and buy an anchor. But anchors are important because they secure you. And a close friend of mine who's a captain, he told me this. He goes, Ed, remember this. And he had no idea of this situation. He said, the harder it blows, the deeper the anchor goes. Mm. Anchor is the earliest symbol of Christianity as you study Christian history. So the Bible talks about Jesus being our anchor, our hope, our redeemer. The Bible talks about build your house on the foundation of the rock. Well, the anchor for, for us has been that metaphor that, that has given us the, the foundation, the solidity, the, the um, opportunity to, to face those rogue winds rough seas and even and even calm seas so so we we um make jesus your anchor yeah i would i i tell people a lot hey i know you've tried the homemade anchors and they don't work whether it's you know success or uh, sensuality or this or that or whatever it's time to get rid of those with with the with the clorox bottles and and um clothesline that's how i made my first one and it's time to find the real anchor. He's there, and his name is Jesus. Amen. And what things get through? I'm, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. I'm sorry, Lisa. Go ahead. The scripture reference for Jesus being our hope, and the hope is the anchor, is Hebrews six nineteen. If anybody wants to look that up, because uh, that's that's been a verse that's meant a lot to us. I just love that though. The harder it blows, the deeper. And everybody, everybody faces problems. I mean, again, it's the great equalizer of humanity. 
So sometimes the wind is blowing a little bit and the anchor has to grab hold a little bit. Other times it is a full force tropical storm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Go deep enough to secure you in the hope of Jesus. Yes. Oh, so good. Well, before I get to my final question, I just want to throw in a confirmation of what you guys are saying, too, was shortly after my wife and I got married, we went for, you know, just as a party of one living alone as a, as a single firefighter for all those years to now I was a new Christian and married to a very strong Christian woman. Then we became a party of three because our first child, Isaac, came into the picture well, one month after our son Isaac was born and he had some medical complications, we got a knock at the door and all of a sudden we had a six-year-old and a 16-year-old standing there, my niece and nephew, and CPS said, hey, do you recognize these two? I'm like, yeah, I haven't seen them in a few years, but I recognize them. And they said, well, you have a few minutes to decide if you're going to take them in or let them go into the system. Wow. And I'm going to be honest with you, my heart fluttered for a minute, but... The one who was anchored, my wife, she didn't even blink twice because I'm thinking, oh, my relationship's going to come to it. Who wants to raise my niece and nephew? Because my sister had a history of mental illness and she was homeless at the time when they took the kids from her. And all of a sudden, my wife just opened the door and said, come on in. And obviously, the 16-year-old girl, she'd been through the worst of the worst. So she came with a lot of anger, a lot of uh, uh, struggles. And then the six-year-old, you know, he's missing his parents. They were dropping her house. And I'm going to be honest with you. I thought my marriage was going to come to an end because of that. But because my wife was so anchored in faith and I got to grow in it by watching her and watching how, how she stood on the rock of Jesus, it made me that much stronger. So when you guys talk about anchor, I just want to let you guys know personally how much that means to us. Cause that was also, uh, 17 years ago and, uh, both of them grew up and, uh, the six year old is now a fireman. Go figure, huh? <laughs> so that is powerful. Yeah, it's it was uh, definitely uh, the Lord has blessed us with a lot of stories. I'll be honest, I've never shook my hand at him, but I've been like, really, <laughs> really, okay, let's go. Um, hey, you two, as, as I get ready to finish up here, there is one last question I wanted to to throw at you guys, and it was as I was reading through the book here, and it's in the book you say the courage required to make a U turn, Y O U a U turn, to truly repent. Maybe why so few pastors speak on it and why so few books are written on it. What do repentance and pain have to do with one another? And I'm sorry about just throwing that out there, but it really grabbed me. Well, repentance, obviously, well, what repentance is, maybe not obviously to everyone, but repentance is part of the gospel. When you think about the gospel, you think about, Bad news, we're sinners in need of a Savior. Our sin has separated us from God. The worst news, we deserve eternal separation. But the good news is that God did something. He sent Jesus Christ down on the cross for our sins to rise again. And the great news is we have an opportunity to repent, to agree with God about our condition. We're sinners. Mm-hmm. to believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again, and to receive that. So we have to understand the pain and and the, the process of sin and where it has gotten us, and repentance is that linchpin. It's the, it's the key 
to, to, and for freedom and joy unspeakable. Yes. So that is how I would say the gospel and pain and repentance, uh, uh, obviously intersect. Wow. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And that, that repentance things thing is omitted in a lot of preaching. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't make yeah, it's not popular. It's not, it's not hip. It's like, Hey, if you want to be a friend with Jesus, lift your hand. Well, we do, but first of all, we have to admit that we're sinners and the word yep. repent means to make an about face. We turn from our sins right. to Christ, but we have to grasp that because it's only because of Jesus, only because of the, the anchor of the gospel of his death, burial and resurrection is the opportunity we have to turn from our sins, to admit the obvious and to receive the mercy and the grace and this free gift of salvation. I love it. I love it. Ed and Lisa Young, I, I'm, I really want people to go out and check out this book. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some real talk out there. I don't promote a lot of books or do stuff unless I see the heart behind the people who write them and the message within them and things like that. So it's a little thing called vetting, as you know. As a, but a path through pain, how faith deepens and joy grows through what you would never choose. I am so excited for my listeners and pretty much everyone to get their hands on this because regardless of what we've gone through, we've all got that pain we're carrying along. We've all got something there. And I know people are going to get something out of this book. And so the last thing I'm going to give you guys open mic, the two of you, what is your prayer people will get from reading your experience and your story? I hope people will get an understanding of God is good even when things aren't good in your life. And we have a hope in him that we don't have outside of him. I can't imagine going through pain alone. Not only my relationship with Christ, but the church, the support and prayers of friends, family, and the body of Christ. But it's called a path through pain. When you're experiencing pain, you don't necessarily have a manual to go by this i hope and pray will be somewhat of a manual because we point to scripture and we tell our story and we tell other people's stories who are walking through pain that they would know that they're walking through they may have days where they're they're in standing still Mm -hmm. but the holy spirit will nudge them to keep going through and your pain will never be wasted Amen. And Pastor Ed, do you have anything you would like to throw out there before we get going? If you think about Psalm 23, David said, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't say, as Lisa just said, that we should just stop and linger and and, uh, camp there. We have to move through it. And I heard someone say, you know, to get to it, we got to go through it. And that's kind of a cool and funny saying. It's kind of a pithy saying and all that. But there is there is truth to it. God has something, even in our pain, that he wants us to experience and that he wants us to share each and every day. So sometimes we have to take baby steps. Other times we take these massive steps. Sometimes we're running. 
sometimes we're 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 jogging, keep going, and you'll look back and go, Wow, I cannot believe how God has taken me through this pain. Wow. Amen. Ed and Lisa Young, thank you so much for your time and hanging out with us for a little while today. You guys are a blessing to so many. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jason. You are as well, Jason. Thank Thank you, my man. I hope you found this episode as encouraging as I did. Be sure to click the like, subscribe, or whatever button you see that will notify you of future shows because we have some awesome guests lined up that you're not going to want to miss. Until next week, Remember this, my friends, Jesus is all we need. I love you guys. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. So head on over to lifeaudio.com and check them out. It's a crazy world out there, moms and dads. I'm Katherine Seegers, host of Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.